You're listening to InfoTrack. To learn more about our guests or listen to past shows, visit InfoTrack online at InfoTrackRadio.com. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. If it seems like the number of food poisoning infections you hear about in the news has increased, it may be the result of some new diagnostic tools that are finding more cases. Here to discuss this is Tony Corbo, senior lobbyist for the food campaign at Food and Water Watch, an advocacy group supporting stricter food safety regulations. Tony, these food poisonings do seem to be happening a lot. Are they primarily happening with fruits and veggies, or are meat and poultry more of a problem, or is it everything? Produce is definitely on the uptick. There have been more foodborne illness outbreaks associated with produce, but meat and poultry outbreaks have remained fairly consistent over the last few years. So it's a problem. Food contamination is a big problem that needs to be addressed. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says that this rise in poisoning cases, as I mentioned earlier, may be due to new diagnostic tools. But don't these cases first appear when a consumer gets sick from eating something? Yeah. Where you wind up getting the reporting is a consumer gets sick, goes to the doctor, and if the doctor asks the right questions, to try to diagnose where the illness came from. If the doctor asks the question about food, then the doctor needs to take a stool sample to be analyzed to see if it, in fact, was food-related. And then that finding gets reported to the local health department or the state health department and goes into a database that CDC monitors to see if there's a pattern of the same food involved in foodborne illnesses across the country. What are some of the most common types of food poisoning infections? Well, the CDC is reporting, and I've been listening to the CDC's annual report now for over a dozen years, and it seems to be Salmonella and Campylobacter. These are two pathogens that are found primarily in poultry and meat, but Because some of the runoff from large-scale poultry facilities or meat facilities can contaminate vegetables, you're starting to see more foodborne illnesses associated with salmonella showing up in produce. But salmonella and campylobacter are the two biggies. According to the CDC, there are over a million consumers who get sick from salmonella each year and over a million get sick from campylobacter each year. Wow. Are these poisoning cases you just mentioned with poultry primarily, are these due to consumer errors in handling, or is the food coming out of the processing with these problems? It's probably a combination of a number of factors. First, you really don't have any on-farm controls for food safety. There seems to be a regulatory hole where there's no agency really monitoring the level of salmonella, for example, in the chicken flocks before those flocks are sent to the slaughter facility. The slaughter facilities, if they're not following proper sanitation, you can get cross-contamination within the slaughter facility. And then in the kitchen, if the consumer is not being careful in terms of handling poultry, for example, where they're using, let's say, the same cutting board to cut the chicken and then trying to make a salad using the same cutting board to chop up salad or tomatoes, you could start spreading that contamination to other food products in the kitchen. Chicken, if it's not thoroughly cooked, that could also lead to contamination. 
We're talking with Tony Corbo, senior lobbyist for the food campaign at Food and Water Watch, and that is an advocacy group supporting stricter food safety regulations. Tony, you mentioned a database that the CDC has that they monitor to see food poisoning patterns in the U.S. Is this something that consumers can access as well? Or if they just want to track infections, is there some place they can find those? Usually the CDC has food safety alerts that they will issue if they start to detect a pattern. A consumer could submit a Freedom of Information Act request to try to get that data. But the quickest way a consumer will know that there is an issue is if the CDC issues an alert saying that there's an outbreak. And it winds up being kind of an elaborate investigative process that the CDC uses because it relies on questionnaires that consumers fill out. If they get sick and they go to the doctor and the doctor takes a stool sample and all of a sudden the database starts to show that there's a commonality of illnesses associated with, say, salmonella, then local and state health departments will ask consumers to fill out questionnaires to see if they can pinpoint the actual food that has been implicated. And then the regulatory agencies, either the FDA or the USDA, will try to see if it comes from a particular food plant. So it's a fairly elaborate process that's used here. Do you have any idea, maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but how many people get sick annually from food poisoning in the U.S., and how many actually die from it? Well, the CDC estimates that approximately 48 million U.S. consumers get sick every year from foodborne illnesses, and about 3,000 actually die. Wow, 48 million. Wow. Yes. And that could just be a mild illness, I guess, to get to those numbers. That's a huge part of the population. Yeah, it could be a mild illness. It could last maybe 24 hours or so. But that's the thing. I mean, what we normally have called in the past the 24-hour stomach bug may be actually a foodborne illness. So if somebody gets over the illness within a short period of time, Most of the time, consumers will not go to the doctor, so you don't see those statistics actually showing up in the databases that CDC uses, but they estimate, based on past history, that 48 million people actually get sick every year here in the United States from foodborne illnesses. Tony, what advice would you have to anyone listening to best avoid getting sick from food poisoning? Well, one of the things that people need to do within their own kitchen is to make sure that they use clean utensils, do not use the same utensils to cut meat and cut produce, to make sure that the food is properly stored and it's chilled properly. And then if it winds up being meat or poultry, to actually cook it to the recommended temperatures that the government has issued. For example, hamburger should be cooked to 165 degrees internal temperature and to use a food thermometer to make sure that the center part of that hamburger is cooked thoroughly. Chicken is 165 degrees internal temperature. So people in their homes need to follow good food safety practices. But in addition to that, we really have to get the regulators to work on salmonella and campylobacter. And since I mentioned that those two pathogens are related to poultry especially, the government does not consider those two pathogens, Campylobacter or Salmonella, as adulterants, meaning that processors can legally put poultry that has Salmonella into commerce. 
even though the government has what they call performance standards, they only will post on the government's website those plants, those poultry facilities, for example, that do not meet the government standards. But that company can still put that product into commerce. And we really need to address that. We really need to give the government the authority to declare certain strains of salmonella, those strains. There are thousands of species of salmonella, but there's a certain number of them that do cause foodborne illness. And we really need to give the government the authority to declare those as adulterants and prevent that meat from going into the food supply. Tony Corbo, Senior Lobbyist for the Food Campaign at Food and Water Watch. Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.